you think of Mortal Kombat, you're like, you think of, you know, boobs, gore, and that's it. But there, there's actually like a story there. That's like... actually just what I think of. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Glasshouse Game Show, recorded at Glasshouse Brick Lane in London. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and today I'm joined by Shay. Hi. And Sam. Hello. Today we're going to talk about The Witcher and other gamey television adaptations. Uh, but first, before we talk about gamey television, I thought we'd just talk about regular television. Shay, is mm. there anything you've been watching recently that you want to recommend? I've just been re-watching Parks and Recreation and like I oh, I really do love that show like and it's aged well as well yeah. I was worried that like I'd come back to it and have a few issues and there are like Aziz Ansari's like whole presence oh, yeah. is quite charming <laughs> at times um but other than that like yeah there's just like a lot in that show that I like really love and like when I was watching it when I was younger, I was like, oh my God, I'm such an April. I'm so angsty and like <laughs> edgy. But like, I'm just finding her really jarring and actually like identifying a lot more with Anne. Um, if you've watched the, sh the show, like they're kind of at odds with each other. And, and the um, one who was with Chris Thingy at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a bum. One of the like, Chris's. Chris Pratt. Pratt, Pratt. Yeah. Who was hotter when he like had more weight on him and then he got all ripped and I was like. Mm. And then he got religious. Yeah. And then he got anti-gay and then that was he that. is a Pratt. <laughs> I do like a cuddly man. Yeah, yeah. me too. So, yeah. Okay, Parks and Rec holds yeah. up well. So, do you ever feel like you've got to like quickly go and watch all of the classic films and television before the actors in them come out as creeps? Yeah, it does. No, I just, just, I'm, no that's, that's the only reason I just write them off. It's like, I could go and watch that old movie, but sure enough, that person turned out to shit. So let's just find a new movie, yeah. find a new nice person. and see my, I, feel, I feel like we, unless you're like a, film studies person i think you can totally write off a lot of the pressure and like this like oh you have to see this movie mm. like especially i'm so conscious now of how much of the like canon of like well not just cinema like all sort of mediums but you know cinema is defined by all these like cis white straight dudes and mm. it's like yeah you're okay almost doing yourself a disservice by yeah having the same diet that everyone has had for so long yeah like there's there's so many like and and this isn't this isn't just a thing about new filmmakers there's there's a diverse range of filmmakers going back decades that you should go and check out who just didn't get their juice so i would I'd always encourage people to go and like don't go in like the ibm db top 100 or whatever you just get a really boring ass list of movies like find like specific topics that you're interested in and literally just google films that are about those like if you're interested in a particular bit of history or something just go and start finding movies about things that you're interested in and that will you will end up in way more interesting places with way more interesting voices a lot quicker rather than just what are the directors mm. of all time like, yeah i don't i don't have like classics that i defer to i just like shit that's cozy and makes me comfortable and yeah. like yeah like I'm sure Alex P would have thoughts, but he's not here. So, <laughs> and, and we're talking about television, not films. Yeah. There is a whole other episode we could do about video mm. game movies, which we're not going to touch today. It's just about television. Um, Sam, we already talked about The Expanse on last week's episode on New Year's resolutions. Are there any other shows that you? Well, watching? I mentioned it, but I'm, but I'm I am going to plug again, which is Mr. <laughs> Robot, because I had. I talked to my friend Gary Kings about this over the last few weeks. Um, we talked about Mr. Robot because it's now wrapped up. And I think it's maybe one... I think I think definitively it's one of the best TV shows ever. 
it's definitely an all-timer for me. But I, I think one of the things that impressed me about it is actually how meticulously crafted and planned out it is. And I didn't really appreciate that until now it's finished. And you're able to go back through and go, fuck, like... He, p- he pointed out to me, and I won't give away the exact episode just in case it gives it away for other people, but there's an early episode in the first season where the literal ending is spelled out. Like, the scene that will later become part of the ending is in the first season. Huh? They recorded most of this scene, and then they cut off a bit that then is then included in the final season. That's how well-crafted, and not just in terms of plotting, but the actual character and what's driving... Elliot and why he and why specifically the story is told about and where it, why it starts when it does and stuff and it's it's just such a show that's about a lot of very heavy subject matter and a lot of very personal stuff and um, the creator Sam Ismail I don't know what his particular background is but it, it's, it's obvious to me that he has a lot of experience with a lot of really heavy stuff and he approaches it in a way that is at first like the show seems about to be about one thing and conspiracies and hacking and stuff and ends up ends up in a much more personal and much more resonating place and it's so well thought out that yeah i think when people start watching they may be put off because they think it's this edgy hacker show mm. and i think that stuff's good like i the, the initial show about being this hacker stuff is fun and great but the show it becomes is just so like i don't want to like say I don't want to oversell it, but almost like profound. Like I'm really, I was really deeply moved by it and for a lot of reasons. And I just think the way he thought about all this stuff and planned out is really, there's no, there's nothing like in television. It never put a foot wrong. It, it try, There's an episode that's like, there's one shot episodes. There's an episode where nobody, there's an episode where nobody talks. Yeah. <gasps> Every, everyone just like, you get, you get like maybe some text and stuff or some body, but there's a whole episode where there's one line at the beginning and one line at the end and that's it. And the rest is all the entire thing's done in silence, no dialogue. There's stuff like that. They just experiment with stuff like that. Um, but Jack Horseman's good for that, yeah. isn't it? I was thinking of the Seahorse episode. It's, it's, it's honestly yeah. like very much in that, but this is like live action, you know, but there's a very much an element of like, because they, they talked about, they pushed the directors to be really creative and try things and, but they did that and they never spiraled off and did some bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like they did all this, they pulled it off and it all contributed to a larger story. It never was like distracting. And I'm really, I really think there's like very little like it and I would really recommend people go and check it out. It's really good when you can tell that a show has been planned out like that because so much television is being damaged by like the kind of um, the Netflix model where yeah. they'll only bring a show back for two series because they know that numbers fall off after yeah. that or whatever. And and they'll see exactly what people are clicking on and like form a show around that rather than someone going, this is my vision. This is how many series I want it to be. Yeah. I um, mean, Mr. Robot definitely feels like an anomaly because it's, because it is, because it's quite a, it's a really weird show. Like the scene I talked about there that that's like this part of the ending of the whole show in the original context, it's just a really weird scene. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense in the original context. It's only at the end you go, fuck. Like, like it feels like it's like a proper, like, you know, penny drop moment mm-hmm. of like, oh, my God, obviously. Like, and, but that's right there at the beginning. And the confidence to be able to do that. And, the, like, I do not know how he was in a position to, that people gave him the money to do that. Like, I think, I think I'm just, I feel like, fuck, you, I don't know when you'll see a TV show like that ever again. And yeah, if you haven't, it's all there now. You can watch it. It's like 10 episodes a season, something like that. Great. There's there's nothing else like it. And it's on Amazon. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Okay, um, Amazon Prime. Um, I don't know if, I mean, you probably you can probably buy it in DVD if you, if you don't want to sign up to Amazon Prime. 
I was trying to get my uh, thing to connect to the internet so I could look something up, but I haven't been able to. So I will just tell you that I interviewed someone who helped consult on Mr. Robot, who was like a real life hacker. Cannot remember what his surname is though. So I don't want to mention him. Oh. But I, he, I interviewed him in a, an article that I wrote about hacking games. Mm. Um, so like video games that have hacking mechanics in them because he's a likes playing video games. Well, that's, that's, so. obviously that's, and you'll know this, like, that's one of the things that Mr. Robot was praised for that it was like a show about hacking and programming stuff that the technical stuff is like super on point. Um, in fact, uh, to, to, to come into that, because he also consulted on the mental health issues and stuff that he explores. And I feel like Mr. Robot does the thing that I like about sh- stories and narratives about mental health that I feel like stuff like Hellblade gets wrong, which mm. is, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a one-to-one accurate representation necessarily but it really gets the feeling of dissociation and all these like feelings and we're just really and it feels like much more an architect i like to say i don't know what Ismail's like background is but it feels much more like an articulation of the feeling of those experiences rather than necessarily just as an observer like portraying these things and i think yeah, I think to, to have a big show that like banked an entire four season story around, hey, here's what it's like to live with these mental illnesses. That's like amazing. Dave Kennedy was his name, yes. uh, who uh, is like a professional hacker, works for a company called Trusted Sec, where they get hired to hack into people's See, see and Mr. Rob, they've got like fictional like tech company, uh, IT companies. Like and, Evil Corp. <laughs> well, they sound like the company because you've got the big ones, E Corp. And then there's, but Literally he works evil corp. Like, <laughs> um, but the one he works for is all safe, and they sound like they sound like fake. But then you read up actual like IT companies; they all sound fake and yeah. weird. Like, um, I think I'm gonna make a quick recommendation, which fits into the kind of cozy genre mm. more than the hard hitting. Yeah, mine's is not. Don't don't like chill out with Mr. Robot. But it is also not. on Amazon Prime, so you can you mm. can alternate one episode of Mr. Robot, one episode mm. of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, oh I haven't yeah. watched it yet. Yeah, very cool. It's about a woman who um, she's like the perfect housewife in the fifties. Uh, Jewish, uh, married to a Jewish man, and she does the whole thing where she like gets up in the middle of the night to put her makeup on before he mm. wakes up so that he never sees her without makeup on. Gosh. She always like bakes him a, makes him a brisket. So this husband of hers, he wants to be a like a comedian. So you like said this wasn't heavy hitting. It's <laughs> <laughs> it gets there. Um, but yeah, this husband of hers, he wants to do stand up, but he's not very good at it. But she goes along with him to the club and she makes a brisket for the club owner to like convince them to put him in a good spot. She supports him. And then she catches him cheating on her or like finds out that he's been cheating on her and she gets wasted. She goes down to the comedy club and she rants and she's hilarious. Mm. And then she becomes a stand-up comic in the the 50s. Um, All I know about this show is that like the costume design is like incredible. Like, yeah. And it's like, apparently they sourced like real vintage dresses and And stuff. And you can tell because like, yeah, it's really good a show that makes you want to shop yeah basically uh, so be careful oh no i don't want to watch it. <laughs> um but yeah so we're here to talk about video game television or kind of i'm calling it game e television because the main thing we're going to talk about is the witcher which as people will be quick to point out was originally a book before it was a video game or at least a series of short stories um, well you've got this yeah. is the nerd hat goes on. <laughs> Didn't take long. Let me tell you about the witcher now that um, sam has glasses we can't stop her from doing this <laughs> um there is yeah, there's two sh- there's two collections of short stories, The Last Wish and then The Sword of Destiny. Mm. Those then lead into the five novels 
that are start starts with the blood of elves. So these are by Andrei Zabkovsky. Yes, yep. and he a lot of books. Hmm. They're they're really short though. Like as oh. a as a fantasy series, these are really light and easy breezy oh. reads. Like you can read. You can, I read four of these. I read four of these books in an afternoon. Wow! <laughs> like I, I went through them and You're so easily impressed. <laughs> you read Tell books? us more. The, the show so far has covered the area that the short stories are. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 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 show as it finishes in season one has caught up to where the the, the full novels start. Mm. Um. So for a little bit of conflict, uh, context. Words are coming hard to me today, sorry. Uh, the Witcher show was in one of the top 10 most popular releases for 2019 in the US for Netflix, despite only coming out in December, which is pretty impressive. Remember back in 2007 when The Witcher was, one, a novel nobody had ever heard of outside of Poland, but had barely been translated, and was this weird, really messy, rough-around-the-edges video game. Mm. Like the uh, but the the games have done really really well for Poland. Like yeah. they the video games industry is huge for Poland's economy, and The Witcher is and CD Projekt Red, the studio that makes it, is a huge part of that. Um, when the show came out, The Witcher Three Wild Hunt set a new active player count record on Steam. It had an increase of ninety three percent from the previous month. Ninety four thousand players. I don't know if you've got this tidbit, but when Barack Obama visited Poland, yes, the Polish Prime Minister at the time, uh, who was Donald Tusk, who you may also recognise as the former President of the European Council, uh, yeah, gave a copy to Barack Obama. Of and, the Witcher uh, Two Assassins of Kings. I think it was the. In fact, it specifically was the Witcher Two Assassins of Kings Enhanced Edition. So. Yeah. Back in 2011, uh, Obama. I don't think. I was going to say, imagine if he There's, did. Like. I'm sure some somewhere out in the interweb there is someone followed up to see what happened to it. Mm. There's I don't can't remember what they found out, but there's definitely someone ended up writing an article trying to chase up about it. Let's see. I'll try and open. I've got I've got a link to an article here. We'll see if I can uh, find out what Obama said when he was politely asked if he actually played it. Uh, he said. The la- I'm not going to do an Obama accent. Um, the last time I was here, Donald gave me a gift. Uh, the video game developed here in Poland that's won fans the world over, The Witcher. I confess, I'm not very good at video games, but I've been told that it is a great example of Poland's place in the new global economy. AKA, I ain't playing that. <laughs> 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 it's uh, and it's a tribute to the talents and work e- ethic of the Polish people, as well as the wise stewardship of Polish leaders like Prime Minister Tusk. Good diplomatic answer, yeah. but basically I ain't playing that. I'd have loved it if you'd just been like, "Yeah, I got, I got to the, I got to the the Ked Winnie camp, and I just kind of get really fucking frustrated, like going these back and forth fetch quests. Wasn't happy about it. <laughs> That'd have been great. Uh, there's also a thing called Witcher School <laughs> in Poland, which is a LARP inspired by the Fuck. gaming books. Takes place at an actual castle. Oh, well, of course, I don't it, know if they touched this on the show yet, but there is there is Witcher schools. Mm. Yeah, so can how, how, yeah, so the the skill of the wolf. <laughs> Shay. I don't know anything about this is, the witch. This is where I'm. Go, this game. is where I'm finally going to be good to names because yeah. I know everything in the witch. So there's so there's the the, the skill of the wolf as in the Kermoran. That's the one I couldn't say. But it. you also have in the books they make reference to the skill of the cat and the skill of the bear. Sure. Um, yes. And yeah. then the games expand upon that with the skill of the manticore and the skill of the viper. Is this like Hogwarts houses? Like if like which one would you be in? Yeah, it's kind of like Hogwarts houses, but badass. That's school what it's like. of the Adder. I don't know. School of the. School of the. You do have a school of Viper, and they all have oh. their different medallions because the yeah. school of Viper's got this cool. They've got the most unique one because they've got this like spinning thing, which is what Letho of Gullet is in the school of Viper. What school do you be in? 
Oh, that one, obviously. No. I mean, well, well school, I'm, they I'm all have they do all have so. their specialties. According, this is more fleshed out by the games and the tabletop stuff than the original books. But the games make the make out. I think this is referenced in the books, but. The school of the cat ends up devolving from like a school of witchers into they basically stop using their skills to hunt monsters and start becoming paid assassins because there's more money in it. Oh. So the school of the cat has like a like all the other witchers kind of shun members from the school of the cat. School of the wolf is like where Geralt's from, yeah. and that's like the sort of they're very dwindling numbers. Then mm. you've got the school of the bear that's like because there's a huge continent they're from, and your school of the bear isn't you never really meet anyone from it. That's for like big hairy. Guys. Well, they're 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 th- yes. <laughs> <laughs> their thing is like they they're like apparently just they were like the toughest witchers and stuff. Oh, okay. It was their thing, and then but they were destroyed by according to the tabletop game they were destroyed because oh because all the witcher schools are like destroyed. That's the whole premise of the thing is like the, there was a bunch of propaganda was put out in the general population that turned people against witchers and they rioted and stormed a lot of their castles. And the thing with the school of the bear was the, uh, according to the tabletop game, was that they um, they tried they couldn't deal with a cabal of vampires, and then the locals were like, "You're not fucking sorting out this vampire problem," and they got they got. Uh, so you'd be school of the cat, did you say? No, no, I don't know why I'd be. I'd either be bear. My my my. This is where we get really nerdy. My original character that I created for, and I'm drawing fan art of right now, for the tabletop game and stuff. I uh, I decided was school of the bear. Okay. But I don't know why I'd be. I mean, you feel, I feel like you can't say your School of the Wolf because that's the only one that's completely spelled out, yeah. and you know who the characters that exist in the School of the Wolf are because they're in the, they're in the books. They're they will be in the show. I mean, you meet Geralt, but the other characters should be in it next season, I think. Any idea what school you'd be in, Shay? I'd make oh. my own school, School oh. of the Goat. School, school of the, of the goat. goat. I did forget one, School of the Griffin. <gasps> oh, I thought you were gonna say goat, but then you no, School say. of the Griffin. School of the Griffin and Manticore. That just makes anyone who's like snake bear seem kind of nah. But School of the Wolf's the coolest one, and they've got the coolest medallion. Yeah. Although the Griffin medallion does look very cool. Anyway, so the the television show. Uh, how many of the books does it cover? So the two collections of short stories. So that's the Last Wish okay. and the Sword of Destiny. It does miss out a lot. It has to be said, and it focuses. So they rejigger it because they are obviously conscious of the overarching narrative. So they focus, So they add a lot of original material that is based on stuff that's alluded to in the books, mm. but doesn't actually get told you. So Yennefer's backstory that's in the show is implied in the books very vaguely, but that you don't see any of that. The two short story collections are all stories told from Geralt's point of view. It's not until you get the novels that you start to get Yennefer and Ciri's point of view. Ciri's oh. um, stuff, a lot of her stuff is completely original. It's not even, they've, they've had to change her story because to give her a point of view means, because her story doesn't take off until, like she's, you, you don't really meet her until the end of the short stories. So she's pretty much the main character of the novels. So have you seen much of this show? So I'm on the last episode. I have this thing like with shows, especially that I like, like I'll sort of put them down. I do this with games. I do this with everything. I'd like get to the last episode or like this penultimate episode. I'm like, oh, I kind of don't want this to end. So I just like stop watching. We're doing that with The Expanse. We haven't watched the last last episode. Oh no, I'm I'm, I'm so impatient. I got to Mr. Robot and there was the the finale dropped, the the two part finale dropped together Mm. and I just watched it all. No, no hesitation. Uh, But I have a question for you about Mm. the... How long did it take you to realize the timelines were all interweaved? So and this is it. Up? So I'm like watching. I'm like, am I just like, am I like really drunk? Like what? Like why am I not following this? And then like I realized what I was like, oh, they're different. I think it was like episode four or something. It was very very late. Three like, three timelines with three different characters in three different locations, times, and like, and two of those characters, one of their deals is they don't age. 
So, because uh, yeah. Garrow, Yen, Garrow, and Yennefer don't. Well, Garrow ages, but very slowly. Yennefer just doesn't age. She's a sorceress. That's her whole thing. They have eternal youth, basically. And um, so, yeah, that's like a whole thing. It's like that's not con- in particular Geralt because he doesn't change outfits. Mm-hmm. He has the same armor for his entire life. Is that why people keep criticizing his clothes? Well, I don't. I don't like his outfit because I've come from the games and his his the the outfits and stuff. The look of the games is kind of a hard thing for the show to get away from. And the show the show is clearly taken cues from the games. Henry Cavill's talked about that's how he was introduced to The Witcher. Yeah. And Doug Cockle's voice performance that has influenced him. Yeah, very obviously. But, but right. even the show is like stylistic stuff. Like the mu- the soundtrack is clearly a nod to the game's approach to the soundtrack. And so there's a lot of stuff. So I feel like as in comparison, the show to a degree does invite itself. But coming to the show from the games where the games looks they're virtual. So they can be so lavish in their depiction of this world. And like Geralt's, Geralt has so many different outfits in the games. And by The Witcher Three, they are so elaborate in terms of he has little like pockets for potions and stuff, and he looks like he lives and breathes this this job. Whereas in the show, he just, he, I mean, he's a Witcher, but he could just also be Gruff Swordman. Like <laughs> I feel in the games, they they really worked really hard to like when you see him, you know that he's not just a swordsman. Like there is a real like you can see the kind of work he does on him, like. I feel like something's been missed. Thoughts on Henry I Cavill? Say, well, I like really <laughs> like him until he opens his mouth, like as a man, like not as Geralt, but like, uh, just because like, didn't he have that whole thing of, well, in a post me too world, like how are you supposed to approach women? Not not exactly a great, because this, this, yeah, no. this didn't annoy me when they, one, because I didn't, yeah. I didn't think he fit the look for Geralt. But I think also that bugged me because yeah. Geralt in the the books and in the games, like one of his whole thing is like like the, one of his defining qualities is he does respect women in a world where nobody fucking respects. So is women. this in The Witcher Two where you collect cards that represent the all Witcher the women One? You've... Right, 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 right. <sighs> but that series has come in a trajectory. The Witcher, The Witcher One, like you go play that now and you could not believe the same people yeah. were involved in that that made The Witcher Three. But what trying like the like that trajectory to take it from obscurity to massive video game to now a point where people who have not read the books or play the games are now watching a series Henry Cavill who was Superman not so long ago mm. is playing Geralt of Rivia like that's a weird world to be in it is a weird world but then also Superman right something that started as a comic also something that is supposed to be like just for nerds so I guess it's not that unusual yeah, I guess that if we you, move from but, yeah if you think about like <clears throat> comics and how that was a uh, sort yeah. of like niche thing that was just a bunch of nerds like meeting up in like the local comic bookstore to them being like this global market i guess yeah and Maybe i guess i i found on. the uh just so that we're making clear exactly what was said mm. uh, i found the the comment from henry cavill about me too uh he said stuff has to change absolutely and then added there's something wonderful about a man chasing a woman i think a woman should be wooed and chased but maybe i'm old-fashioned for thinking that it's very difficult to do that if there are certain rules in place because then it's like, well, I don't want to go up and talk to her because I'm going to be called a rapist or something. Uh, now now you really can't pursue someone further than no. It's like, okay, cool. But then there's the, oh, why'd you give up? And it's like, well, because I didn't want to go to jail. Uh, he did apologize for saying these things. <laughs> so anyway, just so that we've got the right context. 
But I mean, as, as that, Geralt, that's, that's worse than I remembered, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, with, you know, wow. But as Geralt, I think he's great. Like, he really, really surprised me. I, think, I didn't, my <clears throat> expectations were low, but. Yeah, I think he is really good because I went into, I didn't like him mm. as a casting choice. And then actually watching the show won me over really quick. I think he captures, like, Geralt's, like, sort of weird humor and stuff yeah. really well. There is a lot of, I was surprised by how much humor yeah. there is. Now, I didn't get very far with the games. I only tried Witcher 3 and I only got a few hours in but i don't remember there being a lot of humor there's lots of humor oh, there is the, there? the witcher yeah the witcher games that so this is this is the thing that when they adapted it that i was curious about because in the trailers they made it look very games of throny mm. game games. of thronesy um <laughs> but the thing the thing about that is like the the games i mean they're not like fucking comedies but there is a lot of comedic quests there's like whole stretches of the game that like like dandelion is like comedic character like the games the and the books vary in tone like wildly which is part of the charm for me and like they go weird and i was worried that they wouldn't capture on the show but because one story that's in the show that i was like i wonder if they'll change this is when Geralt finds a genie in a river i was like they're not gonna have Geralt just get a genie out a river and they do they do have these silly quests they do have these silly stories in the show that i thought now nah, that's too fantasy for a mainstream audience and i thought they'd skip it but there's the games have like I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, the games have like loads of silly quests. The, the short story, there's there's short stories that are comedies. There's the one about a Doppler who pretends to be a banker but turns out to be a better banker than the person that they're impersonating. <laughs> the banker ends up joining forces with them. What? So yeah, the game, the, like there's, there, but then there's stories that are tragic. Like there's the Striga story, which is yeah. in the show. Like the the the, mm. the whole point is like the books vary in tone. The novels sort of, um, how's the word, um, like are a bit more cohesive in terms of they don't vary in tone as wildly. The games capture more of the tone, particularly The Witcher 3 captures more of the tone in the short stories because you've got this open world and all these quests. So they go into like, there is quests of comedy. Like, there's, a, there's a quest where you, you meet up a troll who thinks he's joined the Redanian army and thinks he's a serving memory, member of this human army and like is painting his little like cave colors and stuff so oh. he can join in. And he's learning the, the marching anthem. There's like shit like that in The Witcher. The Witcher is silly when it wants to be. Mm. But the, the thing that binds all this together and why it's so important to the show is Geralt because... Gera's whole like superpower is empathy, and that's the thing that he brings to everything. And it's the thing that this show does get right. I yeah. think they get it. They really touch on the Strigger quest and stuff. This Strigger quest, the Strigger storyline. <laughs> it's the it's the like compassion he brings, and he doesn't really show it a lot. But it's clear in his actions that like actually he doesn't just he doesn't he's not just here to kill things, and he does mm -hmm. care. And the games are really about that. And that's why they can dovetail into comedy and stuff. Because the whole point is Geralt is... If they do a tragedy, it's because Geralt cares about these people that he can't help. If they do a comedy, it's because Geralt will reach out to these absurd figures and stuff. And, like, the games do a lot of that. I think definitely The Witcher 3 takes a while to blossom into that. But, like, a, over long. the... Because yeah. I, I really didn't see it when I like tried with that game, but I think oh. that's why I was like so drawn to the show is that like it did just kind of present those silly moments as like fact, like when they were looking for that genie in the river, there was no like explaining. There's no wink to no, the camera. It, no, or no, anything, no, it was just was like, glad. no, we're looking for a genie. Full stop. And I was like, cool, all right. So thoughts on the female characters in the um, show can you tell so someone uh, I follow Sam Max who's a senior writer at Insomniac Games tweeted can't believe I'm writing the words the Witcher has some of the best portrayals of women in genre right now and 100%. yet here we are 
almost like this is what can happen if you hire women showrunners yeah. and a diverse staff of writers and then trust them enough to allow them to make something good. So that was my thing. I was like, this show is like genuinely really diverse. Like I was like, I kept waiting for it to get bad. I was like, all right, they're just going to kill these characters off. Like when that, what's his name? Is it named Dara, the, the black elf that helps? Um, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. A Siri, yeah. like I was like, oh, well, he's going to die. Like he's fodder. But no, he was like, he's, maybe he dies in the last episode. And I don't know. But like, you know, kept, your silence. I haven't watched, I've only watched three episodes. Okay. Your silence is quite. You get nothing away. Okay. Oh, okay. Do you That's listen fine. to the Expanse podcast um, no. where they, it's not an official one, but it's like quite a, I can't remember who does it. I'm sorry. It's called Belt -a Loader. Um, but the guy who's read the books, when the other guy asks him questions, he just goes, mildly interesting. Oh. Whenever it's this is when, this is when Game of Thrones was like, took a hit, like wasn't caught with the books yet. And yeah. I'd read all the books and I was like, I don't know. Who that knows? could happen. It's good poker face. But anyway, yeah. Like, so I was like, oh my God, like he's just going to die. But then no, he didn't. He was like, you know, a good like part of the story. Like he like, and so there was, there was loads of moments like that where I'd see like these characters of color get introduced and then wait for them to, because that's what always happens. Like when these shows kind of like say that they're diverse, that's where the diversity goes. It goes to die. But um, it didn't happen here. And it was like, genuinely like really diverse to see on screen and like the characters are really cool like the lady that was like in charge um, of all the druids and then the two oh. black ladies that was like with the the dragon like the gold dragon guy he's got a full name that i can't even even knowing the books yeah. and stuff i can't I pronounce his name i think because i think those two ladies are called like Taya and Vea, i think mm -hmm. Tear and Vea, whatever they, um they, they, were, they they're they exactly her cool. picture from the yeah. book i was so in love with that that was great and so it's better than you haven't played the games either, right? I played some of The Witcher 3. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah same. So. <laughs> but the, uh, so in 2015, Tarek Musa wrote an article for mm. Kotaku um, titled Colorblind on The Witcher 3 Rust and Gaming's Race Problem, in which he discussed the fact that not a single human in the game yeah. is a person of color. Uh, and obviously, I say obviously, unfortunately, a load of defensive players took the stance of like, well, it's unrealistic yeah. to have. Um, just like, so it's realistic to have like, Griffins and like all of these fan like fantasy I sh elements. I should, I should point out, like, those people had nothing to say when the Hearts of Stone expansion dropped and there were people of color in the yeah. game all mm. of a sudden mm. and they didn't know. Because like it is a valid critique. You can't have like a fantasy <laughs> setting and not have people of color. Like what are you like? Because you're sending a very clear message. I think, I think it's especially. I think it's especially noteworthy in The Witcher because The Witcher uses elves and dwarves to explore themes of prejudice mm -hmm. and stuff. So it's really yeah. like, it's really uncomfortable that they talk about, it explores these topics, but with an entirely white cast. Yeah, like, it's very, very jarring. And so for the show to like really lean into that, I think was like a real power move. And I think it, and it was like way more meaningful because I think, and maybe this is me like reading into it a lot, but just like seeing Yennefer as like a woman of color, it just... It, it sort of added like another layer of depth to like her struggle and like where she's coming from in like her pursuit for, you know, what she's after, you know? And I think maybe that is me like sort of projecting like real life. But I think that's relevant, right? That. But yeah, like that is relevant. That's the world we live in, you know, that, that and I'm that's, sure that was yeah, on the, the mind of yeah, yeah. the showrunners. So yeah, it was nice to see and it just, yeah, I think it was, I think it was done like really respectfully. And, you know, seeing so many women attached to the project, like behind the scenes, like whenever I'd sit and watch like the credits and stuff, I was like, yeah, like, you know, this is some care and some love has have obviously gone into this, which is nice to see. And it's a shame that it's so rare, fortunately, mm. but yeah. Before we move on from The Witcher, there is one more very important thing that has to be mentioned. And that is uh, the song in episode two. <laughs> Which the internet so is obsessed early in with. The season. Uh, it's had more than 11 million views on YouTube. 
uh, Matt Cox, a staff writer at Rock Paper Shotgun, used mods in a game called Mortal. Mortal. Mortain. M O R D H A. Oh, Mordew. Mordew. Things Mordew. Okay. That sounds good when you say it. Sounds like something from Lord of the Rings. And I should point out there are no Scottish people in Lord of the Rings. So oh, are they not? No. Nah. Oh, they don't even use them to be like dwarfs. Or I mean, well, they're sorry. I should. Phrase, they're Scottish actors right, in Lord right, of the Rings, right, right, right. but there's no Scottish accents in Lord of the Rings. Scottish people don't exist in high fantasy, apparently, unless they're unless they're dwarves. Yeah. Because they're in the Hobbit. Yeah, there's a bunch of Scottish dwarves. That's it. Anyway, Matt Cox, <laughs> rock paper shotgun. No, it's fine. Uh, used mods in mod mod that game Mordew. to uh, play the song from episode two of The Witcher to other players. Of the oh game. yeah, because you get you get instruments in the game. So you yeah, can, yeah. that's cute. They went through playing a little lute and and uh, playing the song. Uh, do you want to do you want to show? Do you want to do a refer- Do you want me to spell out toss a coin to Witcher? Absolutely not. I'm so embarrassed right now. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Well, it goes, toss a coin to your witcher, oh, valley of plenty, oh, valley of plenty, oh. There we go. So now you've got that. Uh, please feel free to clip that out. Use it as your ringtone. Yeah, I wasn't going to join in. I'm not a very good singer. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a good singer. I gave a little jig, which is the most important thing. I was with you in spirit. But and just... we appreciate it. going to talk about some more Witcher stuff. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing, though, before we move on, because uh, I do think it's interesting because this show is an adaptation of a book series. The, the games obviously made popular, but the games are sequels to the books. They pick up the story threads left at the end of so the So they book. never cross over? No. Oh. The game, so the book, without giving too much away in case this, this does matter to people, the books end basically Geralt and Yennefer's story and then Ciri's major plot is sort of unresolved. It's kind of the point is like you're seeing Ciri's, Ciri's got this big destiny and Geralt and Yennefer are only a part of that and it's kind of one of the story's themes. So the stories end there. So the Witcher games pick up. It's not really until The Witcher 3 that they actually really get into it. But by The Witcher 3, they're properly, like, they've picked up plot threads that were left unresolved at the end of the books. And they resolve them. Like, all the stuff with the wild hunt and everything that the game deals with, that's just left up in the air at the end of the books. The show has already started to allude to it. Well, yeah, they mention the wild hunt in the show. Yeah, which feels like a nod. I think, I don't know if their intention is, because I was curious if they will just end up when the books end or if they want to do similar to what the games have done and go on and cover that stuff. Because mm. as obviously Henry Cavill said that his introduction to The Witcher was to the game. So mm. I'm assuming that there is some desire to go into that stuff. And it, like they drop it really early in the show. Haven't they had the scene with him in a bathtub? Yes, yeah. but that but that's, I mean. Fan service. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Anyway, speaking of fan service, let's move on to other gamey television shows. We've let uh, Sam talk at length about The Witcher, <laughs> so I think it's only fair that we give Shay a go. Uh, Shay, you've brought us Mortal Kombat, the animated series. Yeah. Otherwise so known good. as... I did not even know this existed. Well, so it came out in 1996. Yeah. So that might be why. And it was I mean, called Mortal Kombat she's, Defenders. She's younger the... than I am. I, sh- I should know the Mortal Kombat animated series. In the US, it was called Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm. Yeah. Um, I'm curious... Given Mortal Kombat as a game is known for like gr- grotesque, gruesome brutality, yeah. how does it work as a cartoon? 
I think it worked pretty well. I think they were able, like, because it was more so about, more so, more so about the law. Mm. Um, which, as I even say that, seems really weird. Because, like, you think of more comedy, you're like, you think of, you know, boobs, gore, and that's it. But there, there's actually, like, a story there. That's like, actually just what I think of. <laughs> 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 oh. No wonder you like The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> it's made for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the Witcher will also get gay. I'm just throwing that out there. Excellent, brilliant. So it was made for me. The gay speeds up. Does Mortal Kombat get gay? No, in 1996 in a cartoon. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. So. Maybe there's like subtext to read in that I need there's to go always and, like, subtext. <laughs> go and rewatch and discover. But yeah, no. So it explored like the lore of like why these things are happening, like why the tournaments take place for example and it's to protect like earth realm it's in the name like you know so it explores that as much as it can for like a tv show based on a game no. and it's like animated and Hold stuff on, get so. into it because i just sped i just spelled out the witcher lore and chat i want to know more yeah Kombat we learned a lore. load of new words yeah, from sam so i mean because like mortal Kombat lore to begin with like there's not much like i say lore it's like okay so there are these tournaments that happens they need to find like the strongest person to then go and defeat some guy and then there's like a whole bunch of gods sitting there like on their hands essentially like raiden do you know the character raiden mm -hmm. the thunder guy mm -hmm. so he's like one of the gods but he's like not really so he's like always at odds with the other gods the elder gods yeah he's just like a regular <laughs> god and then there's like elder gods <laughs> okay yep yep this okay. is i'm all in keep going this is mortal kombat lore <laughs> um and then uh, yeah you've got like out realm which is like some other place it's not necessarily bad and then you've got like the nether realm where does the bug lady come from i think she's from out realm what's she called devora because that because it like is basically like deborah which means bee in hebrew so i was gonna go. say devora is like middle class like child's name oh. right like <laughs> devora <laughs> <laughs> and just like middle class children she bites people's faces and spells acid and bugs into yeah. them oh yeah oh I, yeah i saw who was it was it one of it was cg wasn't it or or alex p who shared that video of mortal Kombat sounds being oh made. no that was me that was you because yeah, i love i love oh man oh I'm, so yeah happy. i'm just i'm just realizing yeah some of her stuff must have been i yeah. want to know so actually. I, this was for Mortal Kombat 10 because i think <clears> the, the sounds do sound different in 10 and 11 but like they spilled like a bunch of slime on the floor and then would like oh. play around with it and then they put like slime in a bucket and then like plunged it and that like gave you all of those sounds so <laughs> That's good amazing. so good um but yeah so it basically just looks at the different worlds and looks at like the politics between them and all of that stuff and there's lots of fighting yeah but it's not like violent or anything it's it's very tame and like even the costuming costuming and do people do, do fans show. hate it then if no because the i think are it's tame. i think it's because i i mean honestly i don't go to mortal kombat for the gore i know that sounds really weird i think it's for me it's just nice to see like a western fighting game i love like, that we're in a world well. where i don't go to this game for the gore i know <laughs> I that's read weird it for the articles. <laughs> <laughs> i like you for the folio <laughs> like, um but yeah so i think i think it does i think it's like a good adaptation in that it explores some of the things that you kind of wish the game would get into and i think especially back in the day with like the trilogy, like the first original trilogy. And then you had like that awful period where like Armageddon and like 
Deadly Alliance and those terrible games came out, like you, you were always wanting for more out of those games. And I think the like TV show was a good buffer for that. Like it just kind of gave you more of what you needed if you wanted to know more about the lore. If you didn't, then so I presume you weren't case. watching it in 1996 when you were two. two. <laughs> no, oh I wasn't. God. I probably watched it when I was like mm, eight. Okay. Yeah. So just like slightly later, was, I probably like caught reruns on TV, and it was like, fine for you an eight-year-old so. okay. i guess i mean my parents worked a lot so they were probably just like do that sure and then left me and then how does work, the so. uh how did the fighting in it compare to so i used to watch a lot of dragon ball z mm. uh, which my mother had a problem with um and the, you know you get the thing where they punch someone in the stomach and it makes like a hole in their stomach oh yeah oh no it that definitely wasn't that involved like because i think even like in terms of the art style like it's it's quite minimalist like compared to even something like dragon ball z mm. Um, yeah, I, d I don't remember there being a lot of gore. Like the fighting scenes were very, it, like it, they were just there. I, I maybe I'm like misremembering, but I never thought that they were like a substitute for the game or anything that like even held up against like other anime. Stuff. Do you know the thing is fascinating though that the game, <clears throat> so the game is clearly rated 18 and all that. Mm. But they, they, but they, knew, they must have known on some level that their audience were children, yeah. Because they made a cartoon for them. Mm. Oh, it's like how Fortnite has stuff in it for from that's to do with movies that the people who play Fortnite aren't old. Yeah, like John to watch. Wick. Yeah, is not a movie for kids. Yeah, maybe wow. that's them like trying to bridge the gap between like adults and kids. Then, like, it's definitely an uncomfortable. It's, it's always a mm. thing that bugs me because it's like you know who's watching what and who's playing it, and users. Are, there, are, I feel that when when it comes to kids, there's a responsibility mm. to make sure that you're putting stuff in front of them that is well considered for your audience, and like they're not. What I will say though is that I feel like, especially the later Mortal Kombat games, don't necessarily feel like they are like targeting them at kids. It definitely was the case back in the day, mm -hmm. though, which is, like, is really irresponsible. I mean, it's the reason why, like, the ESRB, like, exists, mm. Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that, you know, they went into that game, that knowing that kids would play it, I think, is quite interesting to think about. And something I haven't really thought about I mean, I have, I have very complicated feelings, because I remember, like, mm. I played a lot of very adult stuff when I was a kid. Mm. And I feel that over long term, having grown up, I think that was fine. So I have very complicated feelings about this because it's like if you ask me, like I watched like Alien and Terminator when I was like five years old, and if you ask me would I let a five year old watch those movies, I'd be like, no, 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 no. But then I watched them and mm. it was fine. Mm. And so I don't know. So it's a very like weird, complicated one for me. Did any of you ever watch a Sonic show? I have watched the the cartoon. Which one? I've watched the cartoon. Yeah, but there's there are different ones. So I only watched Sonic Underground. I watched. Yeah. No, I think I watched yeah. the one before that. Oh, okay. Because I watched the, like the sort of like more Team NT style one rather than like like the because they did like a sort of like more modern kids one. I didn't watch that. My sister watched that. I watched. I remember watching the like the old one, which was yeah more old school cartoon sort of stuff. This is the one that had like the wicked theme song, right? Sonic Underground. That's the one. They made a vow their mother would be found. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a stretch of a lyric. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's Sonic and uh two fictional siblings, maybe. Is it? Yeah. I don't I really Well, I mean, they're all fictional, right? Well, sure. <laughs> I mean not in the games. Alright. Well um, the games have got the Sonic games have some lore. Yeah. I watched I watched was Do they? I was watching some cutscenes <laughs> for was it Sonic Crystals or something? 
It's all about how he's got to rescue Princess, and there's like a there's like there's a Game of Thrones size cast of characters in Sonic now. Oh yeah, and it's like it like it's the like on this going back to like knowing who your audience is. The Sonic creators on some level know their audience are like furries and stuff, and they're definitely caring to them. There's loads of like there's every kind of Sonic character you can think of. Kit, do you want to tell us about these deep yeah. takedowns of Mortal Kombat on Wikipedia? Yeah, some people have really, really disliked it. Clearly, oh. I was looking at this with like my eight-year-old mind. Sure. Just, <laughs> just you know what we need to do? Everything. We need to get you to go back and watch it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This should be like, yeah, a mm-hmm. stream that we do. New series. <laughs> Oneup.com, uh, whatever that is. Called it a terrible one-liner-packed train wreck of a kids' show. That Ooh. means I'm gonna like it. What? That's I like love a, a one-liner. Yeah, for a kids' show, that's perfect. Like when I see adults like being quippy and like doing one-liners, I'm like, "You're a grown man. You pay taxes. Like stop." Ah, this. you've seen some but, Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's really funny that we call something a train wreck when we think it's bad because people in the U.S. when trains were first a thing used to pay to see trains get smashed into each other. Mm. What? As like an event. I mean, I'd pay to see that. Heard about this on a history podcast. Also, stuff you missed in history class. Low key thing. One of my dreams is to be in a destruction like derby, like with the cars and shit. Like <laughs> be in it. Or no, I, it? I, I want to like build a car and then take it in and get fucking wrecked. I want to do that. Okay, it's a thing we I want to do. Games there... Radar said, uh, not content with skimping on violence, the show's creators felt they also needed to teach the youth of America life lessons with comically cheesy public service announcements is that not what cartoons are for i love i love the idea that this cartoon was made as a like counterbalance to moral combat they were like yeah this shouldn't have gone to kids so no we make the cartoon Mm. we're gonna we're gonna teach them a lesson don't do drugs especially because like if you like think about the films as well like i mean they were (gasps) very bad but annihilation is like so bad that it's good like (laughs) oh the introduction's opening line of the cartoon is (laughs) much changed since the last mortal Kombat tournament and then some other critic said, yeah, like no being a, nobody being able to kill anyone anymore. Wow. Which is fine because they're trying to like settle their differences. Why are you guys such haters? Also, God. people don't really die in Mortal Kombat no. either because they all come back to life. Although Melina Ooh. did die in a Mortal Kombat 10 and didn't come back for 11 and people were up in arms about that. Because they were like, you finally died. Maybe they'll come back for 12. the next one. We can make a big twist, I guess. Yeah. I should point out, I feel like obligated to point out that Ronda Rousey is in the last Mortal Kombat game, which is some bullshit. <laughs> so... Just and, like and she was voiced by Trisha Helver in the previous game, which was amazing. Took my moment. Oh, so that so you get to go off about the Witcher. This is this is it, right? Give me it. So okay, for, go like, five minutes. So <laughs> five minutes is a long time. There's only <laughs> one point in it. It's just that like Mortal Kombat 10, fucking Trisha Helver was like Sonya Blade, and it was perfect. It was such good casting. She was so good in that role. Looked like a potato. I don't know what was going on with the animations in 10. But anyway, in 11, like, obviously the technology's better. You've got, like, a real opportunity to, like, really build and flesh out this character. And then you see her twice because they've got, like, the whole time jump thing. And she's Ronda Rousey with the most flattest fucking, like... Do we also want to explain why we don't like Ronda? Because she's a turf. She's a turf. And and also she's a um, Sandy Hook truther. Yeah, she is. Which is just oh, trash. Like, um, anyway. Yeah, she's not not a great role model. Anyway, speaking of great role models, <laughs> uh, the television show I have brought to the discussion today is Carmen Sandiego. Mm. <gasps> is it good? An excellent role model. Uh, it's not bad. 
it's not that. <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's almost <laughs> condemning it. It's um. So obviously, I mean, I don't want to sound like the the critics of the Mortal Kombat animated series on Wikipedia, but it is. I mean, the games were edutainment games, right? Yeah. Where mm. in the world is Carmen San Diego? Learn facts about different countries as you chase this thief around the world. The show is also very much like that in that every time she goes to a new country, you get like fact bites about that country. <laughs> But you so know, you get when she goes to the America, she's like, America is an imperialist nation well, see, with the terrible thing, foreign policy. The thing that bugs me about the United States is that when they go there, you get facts about individual cities mm. as opposed to just like the United States. Um, but uh, uh, Gina Rodriguez uh, plays uh, Ooh, she's Carmen. terrible. Is she terrible? She hates, I don't know. She's got like this really weird dynamic with like black women. Like it's, it's really, really funny, but like very terrible. She also said like the N word in the video that she like recorded and put on her own Instagram. Oh, hilarious. not good. And when I say hilarious, absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah, no, like she was, um, she was doing like a press junket and the interviewer was talking to the person next to her who was a black woman. And he was like, you know, like you're a really good role model for a lot of like black young like young black girls and black women and she was like she's like she's a good role model for young women like literally going like like just, i'm like i shouldn't expect this from you and yet that's what you're doing she's like for women not black women i was just like jesus christ gina and so yeah it's just it's, she's done a lot of that like she she did a similar thing at like one of the hollywood like reporter roundtables similar thing so it's a shame because i do i really do like her jane the virgin is a really fucking good show and um yeah, I wanted to support this, but I was just like, nah. Hey, that's, that's it. We, got, we got, this is the stuff we're going to talk about. Sorry. Yeah. So no. I know you side with her being a good role model, but. I I'm just, just like, I just <laughs> said her name. Yeah. <laughs> she plays like, Carmen Sandiego. Carmen Sandiego, the character, is a good role model because what yeah. she does is she comes from, and I don't think this is the case in the games, but she works for, or she is kind of raised by Vile, the, mm. the villains, blah, blah, blah. All right. The evil company. And then she grows up and she leaves and she starts stealing things from Vile and returning them to their original owners. Okay. So it's kind of, a, it's almost like an anti-colonialist yeah. kind of thing where she's taking these valuables and giving them back to so the what people they actually really belong to. should be, but yeah. isn't. <laughs> yeah. So, and she's also, one thing I quite like about the show is that she is helped by this white hat hacker who is called Player. Obviously, a reference to the fact that in the games, you are kind of a character who is helping Carmen San Diego. Uh, and player is voiced by Finn Wolfhard of oh, Stranger cute. Things fame. Who's that? Stranger Things. Do you want to see curly a Curly-headed kid. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, curly-headed kid from, okay. from Stranger Things. I don't know Those kids Will? are goddamn everywhere. No, Will's the one no, that he's... goes the upside down. He's the other one. He's... The upside down? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah that's the... <laughs> Television. He's, uh... what is his name? The Upside Down, the Nether Realm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's well. Uh, ben? But that's not No. Right. Bill? No. I don't remember any of their names other than Steve, because Steve's the best character in the whole Come thing. Come on, Wikipedia. Uh, Mike Wheeler in the Netflix series Stranger Things. Is he, he's not Mike. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant the other curly haired kid. Wait, there are multiple curly there are multiple, kids. Oh, yeah, the one with the gap tooth. Yeah, oh. that's who I thought you meant. Oh no. Yeah, he's Mike. What's the other kid? You need. To, I need to know who the other kid is. Is my brain is now stuck? Who's what? Let's just. Tell I guess me. Stranger Dustin. Things is a uh, Dustin. That's it. Thank you. It's kind of video gamey television, isn't it? Because it's very like eighties. Well, it's got the whole thing. Yeah. It's got this Nostalgia. whole. Its entire lore is based on Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah. there's that whole thing to it. 
Apparently, Netflix, who seem to have a bit of a thing for video game TV because they did Carmen Sandiego and uh, The Witcher, they and are also going to... Oh, and Castlevania. Yeah. They're also going to adapt Resident Evil and Devil May Cry. Would you watch those? I do love Devil May Cry. Devil, Devil May Cry has got enough of a concept. Like yeah. a, a de- Demon Bounty Hunter is enough of a concept. Yeah. You could do a lot of fun yeah, stuff with that. Totally. As long as you're willing to do fun stuff with it mm. and not be like... I hope that because the Castlevania adaptation is brilliant, yeah, and for really part nice. of it is it is both it both takes the concept this the game and then makes something way better out of its story because Castlevania does not have a great story as such. Castlevania the vampire one, yes, yes so it's all the Castlevania is the basis of Castlevania is all a line of vampire hunters called the Belmonts who have been hunting Dracula through the centuries because Dracula never dies. Um, until he does, and then that's a whole plot thing. But anyway, Castlevania game, uh, the, castle, the, sh- the, the show basically adapts that and basically fleshes it way out and does a lot more, but is weirdly also really faithful, and it straddles a really interesting line of actually the actual like, fundamentals of the story the games tell is still there. It's just the way it does it is way better, and it's, the second season of it is genuinely phenomenal. I would really recommend to just anyone, regardless of if you're interested in Castlevania, I would just go and watch it. It's, it's an animated show, but it's like, fantastic yeah we we tweeted asking people for their examples of video gamey television and al pierce dev on twitter said castlevania is a good one so you've got someone agrees with you there it's it's just like the the main story the first season's kind of weird because it was only like i think it was only three episodes and it very much feels like a pilot for the show as a whole but in season two they get properly into it And actually, like, without giving too much away, weirdly tells this, like, you don't expect it watching it, but it ends up in this really weirdly poignant place about family and trauma and stuff that is kind of unexpected, but really well done um, and just gently gets there. I would highly recommend it. We also had a reply from Ollie Wrights, who said, Time Commanders on the BBC in the (gasps) mid-2000s. Contestants would strategize and direct military units on a computer display into battle against each other. So it was like a cool mix of video games in real life. Use the Rome Total War Engine 2, if I remember correctly. Oh. It, it, was, it just was Rome yeah. Total War. You can, Chris Bratt did a whole documentary about it, didn't he, on his series, People Make to, Games. They had to, yeah, they had to pretend this was like their own crazy in-house simulation, but it was just Rome Total War. Um, yeah, we'll link that. Uh, Chris but, Pratt's video but they used it to basically because the, the, the whole premise of the show is yeah they would like pick a historical battle when they like right here's what you've got based on what these forces had at the time how, will you, how would you resolve this battle and they got some random people in and at the end of the episode they would be like here's how it actually happened and how you messed up or how you actually got this right and stuff so they did all these like famous battles that Rome can do like so they did like all like Hannibal's battles and stuff like that has, very nerdy show. Has speaking of nerdy shows, has either of you seen Video Game High School? <sighs> no. I thought you were about to say Games Master. <laughs> the real, the real. I think deep someone cut. did mention Games Master. Mm. I mean, I'm, as a former employee of Games Master, I have to mention it. Yeah. But uh, that, what a show! <laughs> I was on a video game television show in I think 2003 when I was 13 called Gamesville with a Z, kind of like Dragon Ball Fighters. <gasps> games on place? sky one I've it was um it was a load of teens <clears throat> in like a basement i think uh with As two with two kind of dj hosts and they would just get us to play games and talk about them and like play against each other and pretend to be rooting for and they had like the gaming guru who would give cheats and tips and stuff who lived under the stairs i think wow. <laughs> it's a very just just like all the games journalists <laughs> yeah um... very vague memories of my time on gamesville 
I just think it's quite funny that that's what I've ended up doing. <laughs> You've wow. The the stairs. Anyway, video game high school. Yes. Uh, it w it's a web series originally from Rocket Jump. Yes, no, no, actually. Uh, but it was also on Netflix. Um, oh. So I tweeted about it and got loads of replies, including one from at Salty Horse, who tells me there is also a board game adaptation of Video Game High School. So what? Video Game High School is set in a world in which esports stars are as famous and popular with the ladies, in this case, as uh, athletes. And there's, um, there's this like famous esports player called The Law, who, and it's very kind of tongue in cheek. Um, sure. And uh, he's the rival. And then there's this main player whose name I can't even remember, but he goes, he gets to go to video game high school because he accidentally kills the law in like a, there's like a televised thing where the law is like, look at me, own some noobs or whatever. And this kid, the main character happens to get back from feeding his cat just in time to like headshot him. And because of that, he gets sent off to video game high school, like it's a scholarship or whatever. And sure. it's all about, but it's all like whenever they play the games, it's filmed as like live action. Oh. So they kind of are holding like real guns. So you see them like at the keyboards and then it cuts to them like holding a gun as if the game character is just them. Um, and there's all different groups of people. Like there's the FPS people and then there's like the rhythm gamers and you can tell it's old because it, rhythm gamers. Yeah, because I was just this. This reminds me of something that I feel was probably better was the Guild. If any of you watched that back then, oh, with Felicia Day, yeah. I was like, where she got her start. It was a mm. web series about MMO players, mm. um, which I don't. I haven't went back and watched it in years, so I don't know how it holds up. At the time, I thought it was fucking hilarious, and I didn't play MMOs, so mm. I feel that like that's a pretty strong sell for it. But that was a weird thing. But they they never really showed the game, which I thought was the best thing they mm. could have done. And I think because she talked about she wrote and stuff, mm. wrote and directed it and stuff. You talked about one of the things like she'd watched a lot of like video gamey stuff and like shows about video games and like what not to do. And one of the things, yeah, she they never showed the game or any of that kind of stuff. So if any of us had to take a video game and adapt it into a television show, what would it be? And what would be the kind of important things to take across or vice versa? Is there anything television wise that you'd like to see a game of? Yeah. Say, the Expanse, for instance. Oh. I, like Archer? would Ooh. make a really good game oh. and russian doll i don't know i feel like there's something in <gasps> yeah. that i feel like you could take that russian and really doll play because there that. are so many time also, loop games incidentally now. she's yeah. a game dev in the show yeah. so yeah, exactly. that would be a great yeah. great lead-in yeah. i loved that so okay that's like two russian doll and archer remember. how would an archer game work like saints row okay i thought <laughs> without any hesitation it, yeah it'd be like saints row basically um because like that that was the funny thing about archer in the beginning you know they spoke about them you know going on like these spy missions but you never actually saw it which was nice you saw it occasionally but um it'd be cool to kind of like have that but then also have like the interpersonal relationship dynamics to kind of explore and play around with. like in saints row 4 is it where you can just sleep with anyone on your crew anyone by and everyone yeah. yeah very easy great Cool. I think I think one of the barriers to a, a video game adaptations is two things, which is one, most video games don't have good stories. It's, <laughs> it's just very blatant. But that's one you can easily overcome if you're willing to get creative and like implement things. Like I say, the Castlevania show does a lot to yeah. stay true and bend things. But the main problem I feel like is actually just cost because video games exist in fantastical worlds and stuff, and a lot of stuff that they do is fine for because a lot of video games are built out of things that are easy to do in video games mm. like mass, like uh, to take an example like mass effect i've seen people talk about oh that would make a great tv show and it's like yeah it would you 
the budget to do Mass yeah. Effect justice. But, and it's cheap, and it's funny because it's cheap in video game because the things that are rendered in video game, virtual space, like metals and stuff, are easy to render. I want to say relatively yeah. before any game. Oh, yeah, sorry. Get very close. Mean, but, but, the, but the things that are chosen, the worlds that we that are tended to, it's less of an issue, but games are very diverse a lot. But for a long time, a lot of the stuff that you would consider like, yeah, do metal and stuff like that because it's easy. You know, the stuff that's hard is people and soft, you know, like grass and stuff. This is stuff that's really hard to render. So the stuff that's like relatively cheap and video and to build in virtual space is incredibly like building spaceships and mm. and, and yeah. TV and like doing space battles and stuff. Stuff like that is even fantasy stuff like so expensive. And I think that's like such a barrier. I'm trying to think if there are any like games that I'm like, yeah, I want more of this story because like. So many shows, so many games. I just try so to think. Bad. I'm trying to think of like long running series, like that. I'm like, there's stuff that I think you could easily do. Like, I'm like, somebody could do a Tomb Raider show or something like that. But I'm like, am I really interested? No. You need because I think you need something that has the 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 room for a large cast. Um, you think so? You don't necessarily, but I think having a, a cat an ensemble cast is usually mm. like a you know like a show when you run for a long time. You yeah. tend to one even shows that are a lot more focused, like like Mr. Robot, for instance, still has quite a large cast. Mm. So then you still want a video game where there's a lot of people generally. Do you think they could take like Control and make that like Control? Twin- oh, could control easily would be, be a good so show. Good. Twin Peaks or something, yeah. Um, control yeah. could easily be a good show. You okay. could you could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. So to end, maybe what would you recommend people watch that is a video game adaptation? Is it just going to be The Witcher? I did. I mean, the yeah, the one thing we brought up that I think is the only, my main reservation to recommending it is, is the confusing timeline. Like, mm. it's, I don't think it's necessarily a whole, like a full on barrier, but it's like just be braced for like maybe not knowing quite where, where what it, how it's going and where it's going. To be fair, though, it, like it was <clears throat> kind of confusing, but then as soon as it clicked, I was like, oh. And then, like the rest of it, kind of falls into place. I guess, it I guess my, really feel like I guess my main criticism of it was just like I didn't get why they did it. Yeah. I'm not sure what it really added, other than as as of I think the thing is clearly they're trying to pitch Yennefer and Ciri as equals to Geralt in the story, which they do become. Mm-hmm. But they're telling a portion of this storyline that really is just from Geralt's point of view in the books, so they have to fill a lot of weird gaps and stuff. And I don't think it quite measures up. But outside of The Witcher, the one that I would recommend is the Castlevania show. Um, I think, like, even if you're not familiar with Castlevania, there's, in fact, if you're not, it's almost better because the stuff, the the plot points they hit on, like, will be very familiar to people that have played the games. Um, but if you're not, it's probably a lot more fun. But I think it's, it's just, yeah, it just stands completely on its own, regardless of your familiarity. There's lots of nice nods to the games and stuff um, that I think fans appreciate. They finally used, one of the strong points of the Castlevania series is its soundtrack, and they finally used some of the game soundtrack in mm. the second season, and it was great. And yeah, stuff like that is nice for fans, but for the most part, I think it's just, just a really good show about Dracula and vampire hunters and... It's definitely worth a watch. Cool. Uh, if any of you have any recommendations, we would love to hear them. You can post them on glasshouse.games, email community at glasshouse.games, or tweet at GHD Show. We're going to take a quick break, and then we are going to read out some of the letters that we have had, because we've had a few since the break. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have a break. I mean the break break, the Christmas break. We've had a few letters <laughs> since then. I'm very tired. <laughs> <laughs>
So since this is our first recording session since the kind of holiday break, we've built up quite a few emails, comments, and tweets. So I wanted to mention a few. Um, thank you to people who've sent in questions for the upcoming Reflections episodes. I won't read them out here because they'll be mentioned in the episodes themselves. Um, if you are watching or listening to this and you have questions or thoughts about Pokemon Sword and Shield or Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey, or Shenmue 3, Shenmue, Shenmue? Shenmue. Shenmue. <laughs> you can literally tell me that's, anything. That's a video gamer callback <laughs> for, for, the, for the fans out there. Uh, then you can send those to us at community at glasshouse.games uh, or post on the forums at glasshouse.games or tweet us at GHD show. Um, we've had some feedback on previous reflections. So on the Outer Worlds, which I wasn't here for, uh, WM Healy said, just finished listening and thought you guys really nailed what it was that I disliked about that game. It felt to me like it was made around the same time as Fallout 3. Obviously, it's much prettier, but mechanically, it felt dated to me. Anyway, still loving the show. Thanks. Great opinions. <laughs> I'm glad. It, well, our worlds, I felt when that went out, I felt that like we were at odds with everyone. So that's kind yeah. of nice to know some mm. people. We've read, we've, we've found our people. Yeah. Well, this is, it's the kind of everyone loves it at first and then kind of... I feel like common. I feel like a lot of trajectories of like hyped up games and stuff is like eventually common sense kicks in yeah. and everyone goes, "Oh, I just, just does, just does." Um, at Shalev Moran tweeted that we had a good convo on AAA politics in our episode about political games with special guest Mariam Dijgalaviti. Uh, Mariam herself tweeted, there were years of me just banging my head against the keyboard by myself on Twitter for my MA thesis, trying to bring these issues to light. Pretty spectacular to now be invited to talk about games and politics with the industry's grandees. Ooh. Grandees, everybody. I'm sure get... I can be a, I can be a grandee. Be I'll take it. We should get hats. Should. Hats. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I think of. I, there's only one kind of hat I suit. With, no, there's two kinds. It's a Stetson and a beanie. No, we're getting berets. Ooh. I don't see a beret. Have you tried? I will now. Also, berets are berets strike me as very Tory. That's a vibe. No, idea. they're like the you know, like French Revolution. Like yeah, I have like three berets. How dare you, Sam? When, when I when I went, not you, <laughs> but when I was in school in Scotland, the only people that wore berets were the kids that went to like private school and no. stuff. I have, I have negative. I have a I have a problem with berets. No, sorry. Kids who went to private schools and and like royal commandos. That's the oh, only two dear. people I knew growing up that wore berets. Not gr not great image. Uh, we continue to receive disparaging comments on YouTube for our discussion of Half Life Alex, uh, including from someone calling themselves pure as ever, who says interesting seeing flat screen players discussing VR. Oh, a subject flat they screeners. <laughs> there's a there's a derogatory <laughs> term for us. these goddamn flat screeners and their two D space. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, a subject they sorely fail at explaining the tech and how the newest HMDs are miles ahead of what they probably first tried three years ago. To which I say, you clearly weren't listening to Alex P, who is obsessed. Alex is very not not to disparage this person, but I, what, what <laughs> yeah. one thing that I would I would say is that like the fact that people do get very touchy about our criticism of VR, I feel like does not help the case that VR is. I feel like if a you. Cult. Like, well, just the sense that it's like people, the people that love it talk about it like it's the future. And I'm like, if it's the future, I feel like you wouldn't need to defend it. Mm. Nobody felt like they had to get up on their high horse and defend the Switch as a console. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People were like, nah, people just got on board. It's also very elitist. Yeah. Like you just don't know because you haven't spent several thousand pounds on the latest one. Even flat you know. screeners. Flat screeners. Oh, that's, I'm going to use that. I'm <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, I would have enjoyed this game, but you know, I'm just a flat screener. You know what it's like? Uh, we've had a lot of general end of year feelings, for example, from Adam Campbell, who said, proud of you all. Hope you had a great Christmas. Um, I did. Good lad, Adam. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. It was quite nice. I drank five bottles of Prosecco. Fun. <laughs> On the day itself? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Were they at least like the tiny ones you get in hotels? No. Okay. Uh, Executive 66 on YouTube wrote, hope you take off at some times soon. Now I wanted to read this out because I'm not quite sure if that means take some time off or take off, like become very famous. Um, but I'll have both. Both. Yeah, both. I'll take yeah. both. Both. Both is good. Uh, Rebind, an art house game critique writing collective, tweeted that we are a place they've got their eyes on, which is pretty cool. Uh, so we'll have cool. to make sure we keep up with what they're doing as well. Yeah. Uh, Jason Hinklin at Uncle Pilot went even further, tweeting, shout outs to the best new games podcast slash show of 2019. Glasshouse Games came out strong at the end of this year, and I hope they continue well past the next year. Whoa, that's really nice. That's some Thank praise. you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you. much, Uncle Pilot. Uh, a personal one for me from someone who used to listen to the podcast that I presented for The Guardian, which ended last year. Uh, Executive 66 writes, I loved the podcast, chips with everything, best of luck going ahead. Uh, then on our reflections on Luigi's Mansion 3, uh, we had some people who agreed with us. Alex Darby tweeted, I mostly loved it. I actually enjoy vacuuming every room until there's nothing left to, ho to hoover though. That seems so sinister. I just love to hoover <laughs> until there's <laughs> nothing <to> left. <laughs> Uh, some of the bosses were needlessly difficult. The Hoover controls are pretty awful for the high speed and accuracy a few of them demand. I also highly recommend co-op, uh, which is how I played a lot of that game yeah. and it was pretty good. Sounds about right. Uh, Ollie at Chamber Lego Lago tweeted, happy to discover I wasn't the only one who hoovered up all the sand, which I think is aimed at me because I tried to vacuum up an entire desert. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm just imagining you in the Sahara now. You got your hoover and you're just like quivering with excitement and you're just there like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, a commenter on YouTube going by Ob and Sola wrote, good discussion. The booze are pretty annoying. Oh, this is a long comment. Let me, the booze are annoying, but I don't think it's true that you need to pay the professor to find out where they are. Uh, the problem is the way the game tells you where they are is really unclear. It's based on the rumble of the controller and it only tells you if you're close or far. Oh, I think I saw this comment because I really agreed. Like yeah. they basically said that the game isn't good at teaching you logic, which mm. is basically something we came with because like there were so many elements that we forgot because the onboarding process, like the dark light and stuff, oh, I like, yeah. just completely forgot about. So yeah, very good comment. That. Yeah, I think the game is generally not great at teaching you its yeah. logic and the puzzles do often feel like trying to use each tool in turn on every spot in the room. Mm. A lot like old puzzle games where you'd get frustrated and try to use every object in your inventory with every other one. I've been yeah. there. Rubber um, chicken feeling the rubber chicken time mm. on twitter uh at memory card full wrote that they had a very enjoyable afternoon listening to the ghg show podcasts today before heading off to work podcasts plural quite psyched to hear mm. that people are binging the show yeah. that's mm. a good step really nice uh and finally we've had some thoughts on gaming related resolutions after last week's episode uh so twitter user hong kong garden wants to actually get around to playing some rather than just buying and downloading them feel that relatable mm. <laughs> um, and on the glasshouse games website ollie writes says my resolution is to complete more triple a games this year i feel like more people play lots of triple a and then make it a conscious effort to try more indies but for me it's very much the opposite i lived on indies through 2018 and 2019 partly because i did a lot of freelance for pro indie sites and magazines and have fallen out of the triple a space would love to go back and try the stuff i missed off the top of my head fire emblem three houses do yes god of war yeah. The new Tomb Raiders? No. The Spyro and Crash remakes. No. Would we call them AAA? Te yeah. I guess technically. Okay. Yeah. And Devil May Cry 5. 
Absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, as for the backlog thing, I've kept a game diary since 2008. Whoa. Alex P would be very impressed. Say, yeah. yeah, that yeah. sounds like the kind of thing he would do. Cataloging, exciting. Uh, that has immensely helped keep me on top of things. I'm such a completionist that I only count stuff I finish, which is probably 80% of the stuff I play. That is unusual. Wow. Oh my I think, goodness. Mm, I mean, finishing games is a whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, because some games you've. You well, that's why like... developers put so much money into the first, like, 10% of a game, right? Because so few people this, get this to is, the end. This is why, like, I was thinking about this and I was like, is it that easy to become one of my all time favorite games if your, like, last act of your game is good? Because I was thinking about my favorite games and they all have really good endings. I was like, is that it? Is that the secret? If you want, to, if you want me to go. Because I, I think it's important, though. Like, if you play all the way to the game, the, the, your last memory of the game is the final, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's got a rubbish ending, that's the final note you'll leave with. Like, so I always think you should really like. I understand why. I understand the logic, but it's like in terms of like being lasting art, I guess yeah. it's like, nah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take care of those endings. Ollie Wright's ended their comment with, uh, I really love seeing how these games turn out. Still, as a games journalist, it sucks to have to keep switching between different games just to stay on top of work. Can I get work from playing just from playing twenty plus year old games? It depends. The, the trick um, for you budding freelancers out there, <laughs> the trick is twofold. Go and look on websites, see what games are talking about, but what thing aspects of those games are not talking about. And secondly, go and look up what the anniversaries upcoming are. Go find out what games have got a 20 year, 15 year, whatever anniversary, and you get a, you get a piece primed and ready for that date. Yeah. And go and pitch it like a month in advance. That's how you get it. That's an interview with Smart. like a, a developer who worked on a game 20 years ago yes. always if goes can, down quite if well. If you can get an interview, yeah. that's it. That's a real good strong foot in the door. Finally, as always, we finish all, follow up all that food for thought with food. This week, uh, it's January. Uh, some people are trying Veganuary. So I made some vegan double chocolate cookies what? oh my Ooh. god yeah, there's a lot in there um so for people who are just listening help yourself let me let me hold it up to the camera these are these look so i mean they just so look like incredible. cookies they're, no they're... no but look they look like like perfect picturesque cookie yeah, like, they're very incredible. circular like how did you do this <laughs> like in a good way because like yeah. i mean the trick is to mm. let the oven do the shaping <laughs> for you i like cookies where you just like american style you just make like a ball of dough and then you put it on and it spreads nice so what um, did you what did you use for milk and stuff so these are the recipe uh was given oh. to me by my best friend kb and it's from a website called hot for food by lauren toyota uh, all of her stuff is vegan uh, she also has a youtube channel and uh it had they have uh, a little bit of oat milk in them and like mm -hmm. dairy-free butter and stuff but uh the Instead of chocolate chips, they've got big chocolate buttons, um, which I got from, we've got a new shop in Leamington called Core, which is a no packaging store nice. and everything in there is vegan. Um, so I got them from there. Uh, how are the cookies? Really good. <laughs> really good. Jesus. Uh, has anyone got anything they want to share or recommend for people? Oh, coming into the new year. Um, have I? Oh, Yeah local foreign indie cinema coming out in the next few months from january through february go and check out that's it just go and look up go and look at all those things don't go and watch big movies yeah this is the time of year when there's a lot of cool stuff and if you're in a near a big city a lot of it will have a cinema release so go and try and check maggie and i are going to see so long my son tomorrow which looks like an incredibly depressing story about three generations of a family in china incredibly Ooh. depressing i'm so, all in yeah um, anything you've got to recommend I guess with following on from the TV theme, go and watch Tuca and Bertie. Like oh, if you haven't already, so go and good. watch that show. Yes, go and watch Tuca and Bertie. So Fuck. Yeah, um, Tuca and Bertie is incredible. 
especially sure. if you're a woman, but yeah. not exclusively. No. Um, I'm going to plug something of my own, if that's allowed. Please. Uh, I hosted Saturday Review this year. Uh, this year. I did it once this year so far. Um, the kind of New Year's special where we reviewed things that might not otherwise get reviewed, including Untitled Goose Game. So there's a reason for people watching this to go check it out. Um, so if you just look for Saturday Review on Radio 4, uh, and find that episode uh, let me know what you think of it uh, if we've made you hungry you can find the recipe for these cookies uh, and other vegan food at hot for food uh, if you have any suggestions for food we should try or topics we should talk about head over to glasshouse.games and leave us a comment or email us at community at glasshouse.games or tweet us at ghd show uh, you can watch more of our shows on youtube or at glasshouse.games and thank you very much to Shay. Thank you. And Sam. Thank you. For joining me for this television filled episode. Uh, thanks also, as always, to the wonderful Kit for making the show happen every week. I'm leaving you a space to say something, Kit. Cheers. <laughs> and Dan C. Parks for the music. He can't say anything because he's not here. Uh, I'm Jordan Eric Weber. Talk again soon. Mm-hmm.